There's a spring in the mountain and it flows down to the town. From NPR Music and heard around the world on the Voice of America, with major funding provided by Bailey and Glasser, welcome to another Mountain Stage with your host, Larry Gross. There's a song in my heart, just a simple little tune. But the rhythm and the melody won't leave me alone. Around the world, it's just a simple song. This world is turning around a simple song. Well, thank you so much. Welcome once again to Mountain Stage, live performance radio from the Mountain State of West Virginia. But we're not in the Mountain State this time. We are in Minnesota on the banks of the beautiful Lake Superior in Grand Marais, one of the most beautiful spots in the whole world. If you don't believe me, come up and look for yourself. I think you will agree. And we're here, as we have been the last couple of years, as guests of the great North House Folk School. If you're interested in uh, learning about crafts from Scandinavia, Native America, you may want to check this place out because they teach all kinds of things. I'll be talking more about that as the show goes on. But first, let me tell you who's on this show. we got actually a lot of folks from this part of America, from Minnesota and Wisconsin and uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Bodines, who started out down in Milwaukee, near Milwaukee, will be out a little bit later. And something kind of special for us, uh, Julia Sweeney and Jill Sobiel, who do stories and songs, the Jill and Julia show, are going to be out a little bit later, too. From down in Duluth, some friends of ours, uh, at least uh, one of them was on the show last year because he's also a member of Trampled by Turtles, but he brought his other band, Dead Man Winter, from Duluth. They'll be up here. And from down in Iowa, some guys had been with us once before. We fell in love with their sound. I think you will, too. They're called the Pines, and they'll be out a little bit later on during this hour. But to start us out, the man you see up here in between his two friends, and his name is Jonathan Runman, and he's a singer and a songwriter, and he originally comes from the Upper Peninsula of uh, Michigan and comes from the... the uh, Finnish American community there, and at first I thought we were going to get him on to play a little uh, com combination of uh, Finnish American tunes with a partner that he has uh, with a group called uh, Kaivama, but they couldn't do it, but then I realized this was the same guy I'd heard before who was a great, great songwriter. He said, well, I, you know, I could come on and do my tunes. I thought, yeah, why didn't I think of that? He said, I bring a couple of friends from the Twin Cities to do it upright, and he's just put out a self-titled album that is really a collection from four other CDs he's made since the year 2000. I really like his tunes. I think you will, too. Please make welcome for the first time on the mountain stage, Jonathan Runman. Everybody's standing in the campfire light, staring at their video phones. Power up the rockets with the fossil fuel Burning up the dinosaur bones Everything's the same now and everything has changed 
everything is boring and everything is strange. We're flying on a plane, writing on a page, scratching out a message like the Mesolithic age. Such technology, I struggle to explain. Ink upon paper, flying on a plane. Soldiers in the walls, farmers in the fields, and I got some new leather shoes. Artificial hearts, cameras on Mars. Watch it on the six o'clock news. The letters ain't no better than a pictograph. Standing in the temple with the veil torn in half Flying on a plane Writing on a page Scratching out a message Like the Mesolithic age Such technology I struggle to explain Ink upon paper, we're flying on a plane. I see the blood-stained caveman painting. I see the fighter jet vapor trail. I got a particle accelerator and a hammer and nail. Mesolithic age With such technology Yeah, I struggle to explain Ink upon paper We're flying on a plane We're flying on a plane We're writing on a page Good evening, everybody. This next song, You Have a Job to Do. I'm wondering how many of you at the folk school have been here to take some music courses? Any, has anyone ever done that? Oh, yeah. Well, you get to, you get to exercise your musical 
skills for this particular tune. And I, I live down in the Twin Cities where we are suffering from a cicada outbreak. Do you guys have those up here in Grand Marais? No, we'll get them in, Min in Minneapolis, we have them. And if you know, those are the insects that make the loud noise. And so this is a song about entomology in that way. And your part is to sing the chorus with me. And the song is called The Sound of the Cicadas. And it's gonna go like this. You know when the Beatles sang Twist and Shout, they went like, ah, 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 yeah. You remember that? So we're gonna do that, except we're gonna do that together on the word sound. And I'm gonna sing the first one. We're gonna make an A minor chord and we each get like a half note. And it's gonna go like this. And I'll have you guys be one note and you guys be one note. And I'm gonna start it out. And it's gonna go like this. Over the sound, sound, sound. And then I sing sound of the cicadas. So let's rehearse. Over the sound, sound of the cicadas. And once more, over the sound, sound of the cicadas. Beautiful, really so good. now you know your part. And now we sing the song. Seven years of peace and quiet, now we can't go back. Shadow fell across our state, now we can't relax. The noise has kept us up at night, it's all we talk about. I bet we'll all remember the month we had to shout over the sound, sound of the cicada. Over the sound, sound of the cicada. When we got the sad news, it was just like being there When Moses called them locusts down to rule Egyptian air We got ourselves a rented car, we quietly set out Across a hundred farm fields, without a word to shout Over the sound, sound of the cicada Over the sound sound of the cicada small town funeral we watched the big sun setting yet we marked our calendars for a summer wedding yes life is loud and life is mean and life is full of doubt but yet we know a day will come when we won't have to shout over the sound sound of the cicada 
over the sound, sound of the cicada. Sound of the cicada. Hey, you guys sound great. Very nice. Yes, um, as I was mentioned in the introduction. I was born in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And are there any Youpers here tonight? Yeah, there's a couple. And uh, it's pretty cool. I was born only 80 miles away from Grand Marais, only not in Canada and not in Minnesota, but across the lake in Michigan. And it's, that's really not very far, but if I was to try to drive there, it would take about seven hours. <laughs> that's a pretty big lake. So we'll play you now a song from a upper Midwestern perspective.
to put all this out of my mind. I never thought I'd see the day when everything I need I find in Thank you. Wow, it's really exciting to play at Mountain Stage, especially for their 30th anniversary. Isn't that awesome? I was talking to Larry about all the people who've played at this series for all those years, and it's really an incredible thing. And so it's our pleasure to be a part of this great tradition. Helping me out tonight, this is Matt Patrick playing guitar. And uh, a recent Minnesotan, Jake Armerding, playing mandolin and fiddle. And uh, we'll close tonight with uh, a song about a librarian. I'm Jonathan Runman. Thanks for listening. And we're going to have a great show tonight. I can't wait to listen to the rest.
go home at 5.03 And I give thanks to God and then to Andrew Carnegie And the U.S. Constitution And to Orwell, Poe, and Twain And I'll return at 8 a.m. to open up again So the pages can be heard I'm a librarian I'm a librarian And I do it for the love I'm a librarian I'm a librarian I'm a librarian I'm a librarian Jonathan Rundman, along with Jake Amerding on the fiddle and mandolin, and Matt Patrick on the guitar, and Jonathan played guitar, mandola, and the harmonium, ending up there with a the song that was number one on the Dewey Decimal Charts not too long ago. If you can uh, write a song about that and make it a good one, you are a real songwriter. Really, I'm serious. That was great. Jonathan reminded me, yes, we are. Mountain Stage all year long is celebrating our 30th anniversary, so it makes it all the more special to us to be up here in Grand Marais. We're going to bring up the Mountain Stage Band and Julie Adams now. And Julie has chosen a song written by one of our favorite guys, Mr. Chris Smither, who lives up in Boston and been on Mountain Stage many times. The Mountain Stage band, as always, is Ron Solo back there on the acoustic guitar as our leader. In front of him is Ryan Kennedy on one of the lead guitars. Bob Thompson is our piano player. Ahmed Solomon's on the drums. Michael Lipton playing the other lead guitar. Steve Hill on the bass. And say hello to Julie Adams. Nobody's 
Adams, a mountain stage band, old Chris Smithers song right there. You're listening to Mountain Stage Live Performance Radio from the Mountain State of West Virginia. Major funding for Mountain Stage is provided by Bailey and Glasser, handling complex trials and appeals for both plaintiffs and defendants, offices in West Virginia, Alabama, Illinois, and D.C., and newest office in Boston. More information at baileyglasser.com. Additional support provided by Chesapeake Energy, drilling for natural gas and oil to secure America's energy future, and by the Charleston, West Virginia Convention and Visitor Bureau. For a full listing of events and all things Charlie West, 
Log on to charlestonwv.com. Hip, historic, almost heaven. Charleston, West Virginia. This is Mountain Stage on NPR. If you have questions or suggestions for us, our email address is larry at mountainstage.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook, of course. Follow our Tumblr and watch guest artist interviews on our YouTube channel. Find links to all of these at mountainstage.org. And if you can't hear us on the radio, then you can always go to NPR Music uh, the week after we're on broadcast. You can get us right there. The online address is npr.org slash mountain stage. North House Folk School is something that goes on year-round up here in Grand Marais, Minnesota. And if you have interest in any kind of uh, traditional crafts, learning about them, especially Scandinavian and Native American crafts involving, gosh, textiles and wood and food and all kinds of things, you, you ought to check out North House Folk School. Last year, we were up in Grand Marais and had a, a group on called Trampled by Turtles. That's uh, one of the more popular young groups out there. And we knew that uh, one of the guys, one of the head guys in that band, David Simonette, before that band, he played a little rock and roll and other kinds of music, and he continues to do that with another band he's in. So we thought, let's just bring those guys up from Duluth, too. The both bands are located down in Duluth. This one is called Dead Man Winter, and their latest CD is called Bright Lights. Eric Koskinen, the guitar player here, one of the lead guitar players, is also, I didn't know this when I booked Jonathan on the show, but these guys both grew up on the Upper Peninsula, they're both of Finnish-American extraction, and uh, they say... Uh, they say all of us in West Virginia are related. I didn't know it was that way up here, too. <laughs> I'm glad to see that. Makes us feel right at home. <laughs> they brought the whole band up here. I think you're going to like them as much as we do. Please welcome, for the first time to the mountain stage, Dead Man Winter. Just like a man 
And you'll never know me the way I know sorrow. And crying helps nothing, but it's all I've got left. It's a beautiful morning, a silver line thunder. The patriarch's sidewalk, it grows with me sweetly, it moans with the shame of one without fear. Thank you so
Happy birthday I didn't want to celebrate And I was an hour And you fell apart Mostly sober But sometimes I change Thank you so much. It is so great to be in Grand Marais. It's one of my favorite towns in the whole world. It's just beautiful.
Thank you so much, everybody. We're going to play one more song. Hey, this is Ryan Young playing the fiddle over there. He's been talked about before, but this is Eric Hoskinen on the guitar. That's Tim Saxhog on the bass. And Mr. J.T. Bates on the drums back there with the headphones on. You've been lovely. Thank you so much.
From right down the road in Duluth, Dead Man Winter. You heard the title song to their new CD right there, Bright Lights, their latest CD. And that was the title song that they ended with, Dead Man Winter from down in Duluth. I want to remind you that you can not only hear Mountain Stage at NPR Music, you can also hear it on our website, mountainstage.org. We put the show up there. You can uh, podcast it. You can stream it however you want to listen to it. It has everything on it. We have to edit a few things out for radio because we don't have the time. The live show goes a little longer than the radio show, so we leave everything in on the version that's on our website, mountainstage.org. Well, you folks here in the hall may notice that the drummer hasn't moved. The same drummer for Dead Man Winter is also going to play with the Pines. It's because he plays with both bands. This everybody being related thing, I may have gotten onto something here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I have. The Pines started out with uh, Benson Ramsey, who you see up here, and David Huckfelt, the two guys with the guitars right in the middle of the stage. They're from Iowa, but they met down in Arizona and got together. And then they moved back up to with the Twin Cities, and uh, they formed this band, which uh, really does cast a, a beautiful spell. Their latest CD is called Dark So Gold. 
on Red House Records. Please welcome back to the mountain stage, The Pines.
Thank you.
Razo, thank you so much.
afford to pretend If it didn't hurt Then we all would bleed to death Thank you.
Thank you. We just, we just have to say what a tremendous pleasure and privilege it is to come back to Mountain Stage. This is our second time doing Mountain Stage. And uh, <clears throat> the first time was great, but uh, it didn't have the best donut shop in the world. <laughs> so it's great to be here in Grand Marais. Worse to be lured by a flower 
When the polling is closed And we all stand exposed Shivering in the meadows of dawn The Pines, Vincent Ramsey, David Huckfeld, Alex Ramsey, James Buckley, and J.T. Bates. Dark, so gold on Red House is their latest recording, originally from down in Iowa. The Pines, and as always, they cast a mighty spell. I'd like to thank Greg Wright and everybody here at the North House Folk School for inviting Mountain Stage out to be in Grand Marais, on the shores of this great lake, always a pleasure. I'd like to say a special hello, if you're listening right now, over KUMD, Duluth, Minnesota. Our KNOW, Radio Heartland, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. Hope that you will be with us next time. Be another show from here in Grand Marais featuring some great, great songwriters. Tom Paxton, Matresa Berg, Lori McKenna. Andrew Wallace featuring Jonathan Brown, Mr. John Vesner, who I mentioned before, and Jeff Gilkinson and Drew Kennedy. All that on the next Mountain Stage from Grand Marais. You're listening to Mountain Stage, live performance radio from the Mountain State of West Virginia. Mountain Stage is supported in part by this station and by West Virginia Public Radio. Hotel accommodations for Mountain Stage guests are provided by the Charleston Marriott Town Center Hotel, centrally located for the business and pleasure traveler in downtown Charleston's retail district. This is Mountain Stage on NPR.
Well, thank you and welcome once again to the second hour of this mountain stage up in Grand Marais, Minnesota with North House Folk School. We're going to end this show a little bit later with Bodines. But we're going to begin this hour with something very, very special. We've run the risk thus far in this show of testosterone poisoning. <laughs> but that's going to be fixed right now as we are joined by uh, two folks, one of whom has been on the mountain stage. This is her seventh visit to the mountain stage, Jill Sobule, singer and songwriter, one of our very favorites. And she has brought a very, very special guest, and together they are the Jill and Julia show because Julia Sweeney tells the stories and Jill sings the songs. They met not all that long ago. And I think they'll tell you the story of how that happened. I won't, <laughs> I won't spoil it for you. But uh, Jill's latest CD is A Day at the Pass. And uh, Julia's latest book, which I just read, it's really very entertaining. It's called, If It's Not One Thing, It's Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll, you'll want to buy it after you hear this little, this little sample. They have a 90-minute show they do. We're just going to give you as much as we possibly can here. You may well remember... Uh, Julia from her work on Saturday Night Live and also from uh, her monologues, which have been made into movies. Please welcome, for the first time to the mountain stage, the Jill and Julia Show. At a conference in Monterey By the big, big jellyfish tank I first saw you and I got so shy. You see, I was a little paranoid cause I might have been high. Jill. And I hadn't done that in ages and I won't do that no, again. Don't. But that's another story. Loved you forever and I've been a big fan. The one woman shows I even rented Pat. <laughs> I got enough nerve to come up to you. But little did I know, six months later, we'd be doing a show. I sing. I tell stories. The, the Jill, Jill and Julia show. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. The, the Jill, Jill and Julia show. At a conference in Monterey, next to the big, big jellyfish tank. I first saw you and I was not so shy. I made a beeline for you to tell you what a huge fan I was ever since I was writing that pilot with my friend Wendy for Fox and we thought you should do the theme song and then later I went through this horrible breakup and I could not get off the sofa and all I could do was listen to your song now that I don't have you over and over and over and over again till I could get up and go on with my life and I can't believe that I am meeting you here in Monterey at the aquarium and eating sushi, which I think is inappropriate. I sing. I tell stories. The Jill and Julia show. We're here at Mountain Stage. Can you stand it? The, the Jill and Julia. The Jill and Julia. The Jill and Julia show. Fantastic here. 
I'm so moving here. I love this place so much. I love Grand Ram. All I do is plan our next summer for us to come up here. Okay. Love it. Oh my God, how had I never been here before? The best. Okay, um, I'm gonna tell you a story about my daughter. Um, I have a daughter who's 13 now, and um, I adopted her as a single mom from China when she was about a year and a half um, old, and she, her name is Mulan. I did not name her Mulan. She came with that name. Um, <laughs> and right before I adopted her, I went through this whole like philosophical sort of change of life, and the bottom line was I felt it was absolutely necessary that you should never lie to your kid under any circumstances. Most of my thing had to do with religion, but it was even bigger than that. I felt like, you know, I just felt... Like, I, you could never lie to a kid. And so I brought Mulan into my life. We had me made this family. And then Christmas came along. And even though I love the idea of Santa Claus and I've always enjoyed Christmas, when it came to actually looking into the eyes of an innocent child and telling her this outrageous story about Santa Claus, I couldn't do it. I could not bring myself to do it. So the first year she was two years old, and that was easy because she was so much of a baby. And then when she was three, she wasn't in school yet, and the, the image of Santa Claus was just like art in the background. But then when she was four, I had changed my mind, and I decided that I was preventing her from enjoying this fabulous experience of the myths of our culture, and what kind of person was I to prevent, you know, to not allow her to do this. So I thought, I am gonna tell her about Santa Claus. But I couldn't figure out exactly how to bring it up. And like even by four, you know, she had some critical thinking skills. And so finally I put it off and put it off. And it was Christmas Eve. It was just the two of us in Los Angeles. And we had the tree up. And I had kind of hidden the presents away. And I said, uh, hey, Mulan, I need to tell you something. There's this man. And he's been watching you. <laughs> And she said, what? And I said, yeah, he's been watching you and he's been observing your behavior, which in my opinion has been pretty good, I think. Um, but based on that, he's gonna come into our house tonight while we're sleeping and leave presents for you based on your behavior. And she said, what? And I said, oh, he has a funny way of coming in. <laughs> he has a sleigh and these reindeer and they go up to the roof and he comes down the chimney. And she said, well, how could that even happen? And I said, well, I, you know, he's, it's magic. It's, you know, it's just his way. And she said, well, if he's magic, why doesn't he just come in the front door? <laughs> and I said, that is a really good question. <laughs> So she said, okay, but I'm not sleeping alone tonight. I'm sleeping with you, which was her big thing. She always wanted to sleep with me. So I was like, okay. So we go to bed. She's like really nervous. Every time we hear a little sound, she's like, maybe that's him. And in the morning when she's asleep, I get up, I put a bunch of presents under the tree and I came in and I said, move on. I think someone's been in the house overnight. And she sat up and like she was Carrie at the end of Carrie, she screamed like, It was terrible. It was a horrendous, horrible, horrible. Okay, then two years later, she loses a tooth. <laughs> so she has her little tooth and I go, oh, hey, there's a lady who wants kids' teeth. And if you put your tooth under your pillow, 
while you're sleeping, she'll come in your room at night and take it and leave you money. And she's like, what? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, what does she want them for? And I said, I don't know. She just wants them and she's willing to pay for them. So she goes, uh, and then she goes like, how much? And I was like, I don't know, 50 cents? I'm trying to remember. She's like, no. I'm like, a dollar, two dollars? So then she goes, well, how does she get in my room? And I go, well, she's, you know, she's really small. She kind of flies, she flies around. She's like, like a wasp? And of course the comedian in me had to say, no, I actually think she's Catholic. And so, so she goes, I'm putting my tooth under the pillow, but I'm not sleeping in my room tonight, I'm sleeping with you. So it was horrible and traumatic. Okay, so then she lost a few teeth and I didn't know what to do with the teeth. I, didn't, I felt weird throwing them out. What do you do with them? Do you throw them away? I thought we'd save them and make like buttons for a doll's dress or something out of them later. So I had them in a little snack baggie. So I put them in the bottom drawer in the bathroom. So when she's about seven, I'm reading the paper in the living room, <laughs> in the recliner. She comes in and she says, she has it behind her back. She goes, mom, what is this? <laughs> and I felt like I was on the witness stand and I said, that appears to be a snack baggie with what seems to be some children's teeth in it. <laughs> and she said, are you the tooth fairy? And I said, yes. Not everyone's tooth fairy, but I am your tooth fairy. And she said, are you Santa Claus? And I said, yes, but don't tell the other kids at school. Everybody's so into it. So in the end, what I really hope is that I've created this healthy skeptic or I have ruined her entire childhood. She saw Jesus hovering above a lonely bed. She said it changed her life forever. Whatever works, I said. I sit at home changing channels. It's so hard to concentrate. I didn't 
dust in their eyes. The whole world smiled as they passed by. They just made me mad. So I invited to the Mark Twain house to do a show, which was just a huge honor. So we went to Connecticut, and they gave us a tour of the Mark Twain house, um, which is in Hartford, and it's incredible. I mean, it's really, you know, it was this, it's this big, huge mansion, and he wrote, you know, Huckleberry Finn there and Tom Sawyer, and it was, it's really opulent. Like, it's 11,000 square feet, and he had, like, Tiffany lived with him for two years and just designed, like, the Tiffany lived with Mark Twain for two years and, like, designed windows on the main floor. And there's a man cave, like, you cannot believe on the third floor. There's, like, a pool table and a bed in case he got tired while he was writing and some place where he could just, you know, get his cigars together. And then this huge writing desk over a huge bay window and this, you know, opulent gardens and so forth. And then on the tour, they said, oh, yeah, and then Harriet Beecher Stowe's house is next door. And I was like, what? Okay, so Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, who was about 20 years older than Mark Twain, lived next door to Mark Twain. Now, to me, that, that is incredible. Okay, so you go over to Harriet Beecher Stowe's house, and, like, in her day, you know, writing Uncle Tom's Cabin was, like, this big deal. It basically, you know... Abraham Lincoln said to her, you're the little lady that started the Civil War because people became so, you know, much more knowledgeable. I mean, it's, so like she was a 
big deal. Okay, her house is this modest little Victorian house. You go in, it's so tiny next to Mark Twain's house. Like it's like this, it's like a it's like a cartoon little house, Victorian house next to Mark Twain's house. And so we're going through the Harry Beecher Stowe house and they're saying, and Harriet, you know, wrote 30 books. And she had seven children and she did everything herself. She didn't have a nanny or anything like that. And there was not one place in this house that was designated for Harriet Beecher Stowe to write. So I was like, Where did, where's her office? And they said, well, she just wrote on the edge of the kitchen table when she had a chance, you know, with the child on her knee. And then the woman says, you know, and she kind of started losing it as she got older, and she had some angst about Mark Twain, you know, Sam Clemens living next door, and she would wander over to Sam Clemens' house and sort of just break in the back door and start wandering around Mark Twain's house. And I was like, of course she did! Can you imagine being Harriet Beecher Stowe and having Mark Twain move in next door? And she would walk around and go, hey, boo! <laughs> and so Jill and I, we were laughing so hard about this, and I said to her, this is like if in my little 1,000 square foot bungalow in California, uh, Tina Fey built a 10,000 square foot house next door. I think I also would be breaking in the back door and going up behind Tina going, what are you doing? What's going on over here?
Uh, okay, this is going to be quick. I just want to tell you that... Uh, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get this off my chest. Okay, I did this monologue. The first monologue I did was called God Said Han. It was all about how I had cancer and my brother had cancer. And after I did that monologue, sometimes I would be invited to like healthcare conventions, especially if the theme was cancer, to give a talk. So that I did that here and there. And then I sort of stopped doing it, and occasionally I do it. Then I did other monologues, including the last monologue I did called Letting Go of God, which is all about my religious journey and how I ended up not finding God. Okay, <laughs> so you have to know that. Okay, so a couple of years ago, I got a call from uh, someone in Bismarck, North Dakota, and they wanted me to be at a healthcare convention because they have this new vaccine for the cervical cancer, which is fantastic. I mean, like if I had had that, I wouldn't have had cancer. So that's a very good thing, and I'm doing whatever I can to get out there and whatever. So my, yeah, no, it's all, it's, you know, science, yay. Okay, so, <laughs> at least in that area. Okay. Um, <laughs> So the woman, the agency that was organizing this said, well, you have a request to go to this healthcare convention in Bismarck, but the woman who's organizing it really wants to talk to you because she's worried about a couple of things. And I, and so I said, okay, so we have this conference call. And she said, well, first of all, you cannot say any bad words in your show. There can be no bad words because this is a government-sponsored event. So I said, okay, you know, I don't have any whatever bad words. Okay, there's no bad words in my thing. Okay. And then she goes, and also, um, I've done some investigating about you, and you cannot get up there and say that you do not believe in God, because this is a government-sponsored event. <laughs> okay. So oh, my head is, like, exploding. But I go, well... I mean, then I'm thinking, what does she think I'm going to do at this cancer convention? Go, there is no God! Like... Completely. So I go, well, that really has nothing to do with my talk. I would not say that. She goes, well, I just want to make sure that there's no references to any kind of atheism because this is a government-sponsored event. <laughs> so I was like, okay, lady. Okay, so I go to the event, and first of all, when I walk in, everyone is wearing a crucifix. Like, everyone is wearing a crucifix, some of them diamond-encrusted. Okay, so, okay, but you know the culture, the symbols. Okay, fine. Okay, then this woman, the woman that I talked to, got up and to start the conference, and she says, um, to start, we're going to start with a non-denominational prayer. Everyone bow your heads. Dear Jesus in heaven who came down for our sins. Okay, okay, so this, this is really an aside. Okay, what I really wanted to tell you is that there was this woman there that Jill and I have become obsessed with. I won't say her name. She, it was the greatest, most terrible cancer talk I have ever seen about humor. Like, people are always saying, like, how do you bring humor into someone's life? But, like, you know when someone's saying, phrasing things like that, right away, there's nothing you can say to them about humor when they're saying it like that. Okay, so this woman gave this talk, and I just have to do it for you. I have to be this woman because it was so horrendous. Okay, so she said, when you have cancer... Your life is bad. What can you do for your loved one who has cancer? You can make them laugh. <laughs> you might be wondering, how can I make my loved one laugh who has cancer? I've made a PowerPoint presentation for you <laughs> to show you how you can bring humor into your loved one with cancer's life. And she clicks, tell them a joke. She clicks again. 
give them a humorous card. <laughs> she clicked again. Tickle them. <laughs> I want to say, you know, as someone who's had cancer and cared for someone with cancer, you don't want to be tickled. <laughs> tickled is not what you want. That's all, I just had to get that off my chest. Now, Jill, Jill also has been asked to go to healthcare conferences. And Jill, tell them about your song. Here's a song that I wrote for a medical conference, and they said, why don't you write a cute little song, and it's gonna be a lot of powerful executive CEOs of the pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> My friends, they've all been worried because I've been so blue. They want me to see the doctor that they all go to. But I'm a little worried. What if I change? What if I can't find a song when the dark clouds fade away? If Edgar Allan Poe had Prozac, he'd look into the sky. He'd hear the little bluebirds sing, there's always more, there's always more. If Van Gogh had Celexa, he might be full of cheer. He would paint by numbers, and you know he'd have both ears. If Kafka had a Billify, He'd be satisfied, turn into a butterfly. Perhaps he'd never write on modern drugs. Modern drugs. They didn't ask me back this year. <laughs> if Einstein been on Ritalin, he wouldn't have flunked sixth grade. He wouldn't have had that hairdo, he might not been here today. If Casanova was medicated, the ladies he might not have dated. The side effects would not have made him the greatest lover in the land. <laughs> On modern drugs, modern drugs, modern still be in the garden without all the shame or guilt but he made us in his image if you happen to believe so maybe there's good reason for a pill and a good drink <coughs> a modern drugs modern drugs Modern drugs, modern drugs. Thank you, Jill and Julia Shaw. Jill so Buell. Julia Sweeney. Thank you.
Thank you, Mountain State. Thank you, thank you. Jill Sobule, Julia Sweeney, the Jill and Julia show. Julia's recent book, just out. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And Jill's latest CD, A Day at the Past, The Jill and Julia Show. The opinions of Jill and Julia don't necessarily <laughs> reflect those of Mountain Stage. But they might. You never know. It's time for the man. You heard the Mountain Stage Band there in Julie Adams, the man that is left on the stage. Everyone else is gone. He's by himself over behind the keyboard, and he's chosen an old folk song for you today. It's called Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> and uh, I told him it was an old folk song. It's a rock song that old folks know. <laughs> Bob Thompson.
Colortones.com is where you get his music. Bob Thompson, Stairway to Heaven. You're listening to Mountain Stage Live Performance Radio from the Mountain State of West Virginia. Major funding for Mountain Stage is provided by Bailey and Glasser, handling complex trials and appeals for both plaintiffs and defendants. Offices in West Virginia, Alabama, Illinois, and D.C. And newest office in Boston. More information at baileyglasser.com. Additional support provided by Chesapeake Energy, drilling for natural gas and oil to secure America's energy future. And by the Charleston, West Virginia Convention and Visitor Bureau for a full listing of events and all things Charlie West Log on to charlestonwv.com. Hip, historic, almost heaven, Charleston, West Virginia. This is Mountain Stage on NPR. For information about Mountain Stage, including how to buy tickets, no matter where we are, whether we are at home in Charleston or in such a beautiful place as Grand Marais, Minnesota, you can go to mountainstage.org. You can find out what our schedule is, where we're going to be, and buy your tickets right there, mountainstage.org. And our website is also where you can listen to the show. If you miss something, you want to hear it again, or you can't get it on your public radio station, just go to the archives section of mountainstage.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. It's very seldom that we have a band on Mountain Stage which has been around as long as we have for 30 years, but this band is one of those. And it started out right down south of here in Wisconsin near Milwaukee. And it just has a brand new album now. Over the years, there have been many hit songs, many great albums. The newest is called American Made. Please welcome back to the mountain stage, Bodines. Good Lord, both now don't have to 
us now for good hearted people like us
Thank you so much for having us here tonight. What a beautiful, beautiful town you have. I grew up not too far from here, actually. Was in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and there's a, a story I carried with me most of my life growing up. It was about uh, one night of my life. I had been out to dinner with my parents and I was young. I was about eight years old. We came home and we found the, the back alley of our neighborhood lined with police cars. And they had found a young little girl's body in a garage next door to the house I lived in. All my life, no one told me what happened to that girl. So I used to wonder if maybe she had trusted the wrong person at the wrong time. And it led to her demise. But I, let, I wrote this song and I looked up who it was. It was a young girl named Donna Willing. And this is all about her. The song's called Jay Leno. Hey!
so much. We put out a record last June, a new record, even though, you know, we've been around for a long time. Anyone here seen us before, maybe around? Do you? We've been touring for a lot of years. This is a song, I haven't had a lot of chance in my life to play other people's songs, but uh, when we were making the last record, it was a good opportunity to uh, try some stuff. And so this song was one we were messing around with from a guy I grew up listening to. I'd hear this song on the radio late at night driving down the interstate and it just sounded so magic to me. So I just developed my own version. This is the Bruce Springsteen song. Six inch valley in the middle of my school. 
back to the 90s. Yeah. And all to all these all that I feel 
pleasure playing a few songs for you again and being here on mountain stage i believe it's number five or number six for us we've been coming here since about 1993 and playing in virginia it's our first time up here 
man. It is a beautiful, beautiful town. I thank you so much for letting us come up here and play a few songs for you. This is Mr. Buckeye Allen on the keyboards tonight. Mr. Ryan Bowman playing the bass guitar. Mr. Sam Hawksley playing acoustic guitar and singing. And swinging the sticks, making all the ruckus behind me, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kenny Aronoff. This is where we bring it on home, you ready? The new record is American Made. And of course, they have a lot of great records over the years. Kurt Newman there leading the band as he has since the beginning. From down in Wisconsin, Bodines. Our thanks to Bodines. Our thanks to Jill Sobuel and Julia Sweeney. And our thanks to The Pines and Dead Man Winter and Jonathan Rudman and his friends. And special thanks to everybody here in Grand Marais, North House Folk School, Greg Wright, John Vesner, and everybody who brought us up here to this beautiful, beautiful spot. And of course, as always, thanks to you listening there on the radio, because without you, there would be no mountain stage. We never forget that. Hope you'll be with us next time. We're coming from Grand Marais, Minnesota once again with Tom Paxton, Matresa Berg, Lori McKenna, Andrew Wallace featuring Jonathan Brown, John Vesner with Jeff Gilkinson, and Drew Kennedy.
Pound Stage is produced by Larry Gross and Adam Harris. Associate producers Jeff Shirley. Assistant producers Vasily Skouras. Production managers Paul Flaherty. We're engineered by Francis Fisher, Richie Collins, Jim Raines, and Patrick Stevens. Production assistance is from Michael Lipton, Ryan Fletcher, Joey Ansel, and Lance Schrader. Photographic services are provided by Brian Blauser. Promotions coordinated by Michael Lipton, Adam Harris, Josh Saul, and Music in Motion Promotions. Lodgings provided by the Marriott Town Center Hotel, simply located for the business and pleasure traveler in downtown Charleston. Why don't you go out and hear some live music wherever you are, just as soon as you can. You've been listening to Mountain Stage Live Performance Radio from the Mountain State of West Virginia. Well, it couldn't be a rainy morning. Could be on a rainy night. Staggerly and a bit of the lion had a great big fight. Talking about that bad man. Cruel old Staggerly. Big Stetson hat Talking about that bad man Cruel old Stagley Bob Thompson on the piano there Come on, Jonathan Rudman Two lovely children and a very lovely wife. Talk about that bad man. Michael Lipton on the guitar. Play your guitar. All right, Kurt Newman here.
foot, you'll be a stepping down, you'll be a stepping Billy Lion's blood. Talking about that bad man. Cruel old Staggerly. Let's sing that first verse again. Well, could be on a rainy morning. Come on. Could be on a rainy night. Staggerly had a Billy Lion. Had a great big fight. Talking about that bad man, cruel or sadly. Major funding for Mountain Stage is provided by Bailey and Glasser. Mountain Stage is a production of West Virginia Public Radio. This is NPR.